Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and boy, do we have a heck of an episode for you. Jonah is here with FCC headlines before we break down that one nothing victory over Nashville. This was a solid win for FCC. Sees them near the top of the table in both the Eastern Conference and the overall Supporters Shield. I mean, look, Evan said it last week. The vibes around this team feel good. The vibes around this episode feel good. Enjoy the heck out of this postcast. And joining me to talk about that Nashville match, we've got Grayson, we've got Jonah ready with FCC headlines, uh, but we also have the Chief joining us on assignment is what I'm going to say. Chief, how is the other side of the pond treating you? Uh, everyone's very friendly, and uh, I got offered a lot of extra drinks while touring a brewery that may or not rot may or may not rhyme with Bennis. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a good night for your boys so far here. It's very late where I'm recording. So this should be interesting. This should be exciting. Oh, I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, Jonah, I guess we'll start with you. Yeah. How, how are the, how are the headlines treating you? Did you get to watch this game live? <laughs> is that a is that a rare thing these days? Like, I I happen to know I have it on good authority that Grayson watched on tape delay, and I assume yes. the chief did as well. <laughs> I was live in the moment, and uh, when I was going to bed, my wife said, "I don't think I like watching soccer." <laughs> and I think she meant the the feeling of like you know eight minutes of stoppage time, the constant holding on for dear life, and uh, I'm you know. I'm with that. Grayson, you already it, knew it this. Go oh, either one. You guys knew the score before you watched though, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of loosely following along on Twitter, but I was out um, with my wife and some friends last night who none of whom are soccer fans or were interested in being somewhere that they get that with TVs. And sure. it was like, I don't, I don't want to like put a damper <laughs> on the night. So I had, I had every I had every intention of staying up to watch this game. Unfortunately, it kicked off at 1230 over here. And for some fucking strange reason, um, last night was the night they spring their clocks forward in Ireland and the UK. So I've already lived through one spring forward and I had to live through another spring forward last <laughs> night. And it was also like the you know, you're supposed to stay awake after you take the flight over here. So like I was on three hours sleep in like a 48 hour stretch and Xavier had lost. So I was not in a good <laughs> mental headspace and I was drunk. So I, I woke up this morning here. I checked the score and then I sort of caught up on the game as I went along, but no, it was, I had every intention of watching this game live and then just, you know, the, 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 the mind was willing, but the body was weak and spongy. I can, uh, I can co-sign Jonah's, wife there i guess the last eight minutes were actually pretty stressful just because i really wanted us at that point to just escape with the win could not bear the uh the draw that feels like a loss after the week that was of shit talking from nashville fans just really needed us to get that win just to make sure that didn't boil over uh, I, don't know if rival, wife, I don't know yeah. if jonah's, 
I don't know if Jonas' wife's like my wife, but my wife cannot comprehend the difference between it's great when our guys fall down at the end of the game and waste time, but like when their guys fall down at the end of the game, it's a crime against humanity. And how dare they? She just doesn't. the The, the difference between those two just doesn't compute with her. Yeah, I wonder how Mascara's going across for all the our opponents. I Me, mean, I'm like every time he goes down, I'm like this guy fucking rules. <laughs> and then one, if you're watching it somewhere else, if you're like in Nashville, you're like, what is this guy's? And the announcers aren't helping because they're like, oh, he doesn't need to be doing this stuff. I'm like, oh, sorry, you got punched yes, in the gut. Yes, he yeah, does. Exactly, he does. Absolutely <laughs> needs to keep doing this. This is incredible. Lucha got a yellow card for the eyes thing. They're like, oh, well, you know, he really sold that. Like, well, sorry he got hit in the eye. I mean, apologies. But, like, if you get hit in the eye, you're going to sell it. You could see it. It was, eye was red. I think in both cases, Mascara's, uh, you know, the the supposed phantom punch to the gut uh, as well. There was contact made. Our guy certainly exaggerated it, but it's not like they invented it whole cloth here. Well, I mean, like Jonah said, Lucha's eye was red. Right. You know, Jack Mayer did uh, hit or contact uh, Mosquera <laughs> in the stomach. And it's just, it's kind of rich because, you know, earlier in the game, uh, Malik Pinto put his hand on Mayer. Um, right. And Mayer went down and started screaming. And it was right. like a very, very soft, like, he just... He just had his hand on him, which happens every single play. Never, ever, ever is a foul. And uh, that caused Mayer to, you know, not only go down, but then just run to the ref, you know, begging for a penalty. And, it, you know, it's just. It absolutely <laughs> happens, happens both sides. And, it, you know, the idea that, you know, Mosquera is like. Some unique kind of shit star. Uh, is is wrong. I mean, he's definitely a bit of a shit stir, but he's he's not alone. He's he's a lot of a shit stir, not a bit of a shit stir. He's a lot of a shit stir. Chief, I bet you could love him desperately for it. I, I bet you couldn't go a block in uh, jolly old London or England, wherever you are, it, specifically without someone bringing up mascara, huh? You know, I'm sure he's huge. Yeah, in the UK, it's all, the, it's all the, the wolves loading. It's, <laughs> it's all the talk over here. All they, it's, bring back mascara. When is mascara coming home? That's all hey, you can. Bro. You can't even go at any bar, or any pub over here, and it's all they want to talk about. What's mascara coming back, bro? Right? <laughs> That's all they talk about. They're like, oh man, I wish I knew, man. I wish I knew. Uh, you can never have him back, ever. <laughs> he's our son now. Uh. Yes. So Should we get into it? Jonah, yeah. Hit me, hit me with your, your first headline here that you, of course, discovered uh, over the weekend. Well, this one, you're, it will be, I actually found this. My brother found this one. And you'll under, you'll be able to tell real quickly that he found this one. This is a National Geographic magazine. Still kicking. Good for them. Not really my thing. <laughs> Brenner takes stand against kicking ball hard. And uh, I admire him. He's like, you know, today's all about the light touch and... He did everything no, but I, score. No, I, I actually saw a similar headline on the same topic in the um, in the Oxford Free Press over here in the uh, the mm. UK. Particle physics is my favorite subject. Brenner reveals favorite type of shot to be Adam. 
Hey, hey, there we go, <laughs> folks. <laughs> the uh, the hat trick that should have been of soft direct balls to the keeper is just brutal. If that had happened to Vasquez, I think he might have just quit the sport right then and there. But uh, yeah, that that sucked to watch. I don't I don't know what else to add to it. He he's already scored once this year, so I'm not like worried about him but man you got to try harder than that if you want to get out of here this summer the uh the important part is it's one of those games where you have to like really sell yourself on i know grayson is big on this you have to sell yourself on the process of the goal as opposed to the actual goal the process of the goal was fine he was in dangerous positions lucho played a couple of uh, one really great ball to him so you have to like make yourself believe that oh if he just keeps getting into dangerous positions eventually he'll stop kicking the ball directly at the keeper i don't know <laughs> yeah and that was the story on vasquez uh coming into this game was uh, i think it was no mls player had more touches in the box than vasquez it was like all right he's he's doing the right things uh except for the the whole shooting part but he's doing the right things up until that moment and yeah you gotta you gotta respect brenner getting 95 percent of the job done so i like that Grayson, I thought, yo, you looked like you were chomping, like you had you had a Brenner goal take. If you've not, it's okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, uh, you only you could see, uh, you know, I, you know, me and my brother make this joke, like, you know, here's what I would have done, you know, right. Obviously, we're, we're not quite at Brenner's level, but like, if you watched like any goal highlights of Thierry Henry, he scored like those are all the goals he scored where you just open your body up and curl to the side. And you could tell one time he did blast it straight at him. The other time he's like, watch this near post. And I'm like, that's where he is. <laughs> he's like, I know you want me to go far post because that's where all the room is. But watch this. And Vasquez actually went near post on his rebound and that could have very easily been saved. I keep watching that. And I'm like, man, thank God it didn't. But that was uh, pretty brutal. Uh, the no, second I, I bit, go all I could think about when you said it's like, here's what I would have done. It was like, I would have not kicked it at the keeper. That's what I would have done. differently. <laughs> and I don't know if it's true that Sir Alex Ferguson told his strikers to blast it directly at the keeper as like kind of a. That reverse. was his thought of like <laughs> almost like a knuckleball. Like if you hit it as hard as you could with very little control, but were aiming at the keeper, you weren't going to hit your target. So anywhere around the keeper is where that ball would have ended up, I guess, was the idea. Um, I think I'm ready for anything. Yeah. I think maybe he learned later you could probably just tell them to shoot better and have their <laughs> shot selection. <but laughs> hey, it makes a good story at least, right? Like, wow, that's counterintuitive. Well, that, actually, that actually kind of makes sense because presumably when Brenner hits it at the keeper, he's trying to hit it somewhere else. Right. So logically, if he tried to hit it at the keeper, he would actually hit it somewhere else. Yeah. Or is that Not, like the problem where like we've been dogging Vasquez and other players for all their shooting wide? It's like, well, when you try to go, you know, away from the keeper, you go too far away. So like if you shoot it at the keeper directly, you're probably going to miss hit it. Yeah. Like, so I guess that's really, that's just me repeating what Alex Ferguson already said. So <laughs> yeah. Great minds, man. Great <laughs> me, me and Sir Alex, we got this sport figured the fuck out. I like it. The shots on goal are worth more XG. So we try to win on every aspect of the, the sheet. But uh, this is serious, folks. I don't know if you guys saw this on um, 
Uh, the Weather Channel. National Weather Service warning. Florida braces for high tides as Dax McCarty's moon-sized noggin brings extra gravity to the Sunshine State next week. So that's really not even about this game. Uh, and before I get off of that, did you say this, Chief? They made a movie about Dax McCarty. It's called Gravity. Because his head's so big, guys. He's got a really big head. Uh, this is my segue to talk about Dax McCarty for a minute. Because I really... He was man of the match for me. That's as far as entertainment goes, I don't know if you guys. You know, um, I saw I saw a couple of headlines about Dax McCarty too. Um, one was from Jacobin Magazine, and it said, "You see, there's a quality, equity, and justice." Referee explains why diminutive Dax McCarty is allowed to climb on players' backs when challenging for headers. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another I one too, in the Daily Caller on the other side. I I too have seen the meme with three boxes at the fence, but continue. <laughs> there's, an, there's another uh, one from the other side of the fence, the Daily Caller. Uh, this is what happens when you defund the police. Dax McCarty's wife posts frantic series of next door messages alerting neighbors <laughs> to presence of Obi the ball thief. Oh, shit. <laughs> I forgot that's what it was originally. <laughs> I couldn't remember why she was all over Twitter last year. Now I remember. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Jonah, you had you had uh, Dax McCarty takes online. Do you want to do you want to? I don't know. Empty the chamber here. It seemed like the end of Dax McCarty's career almost. Like I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of turn here, but he uh, acted like it. Yeah, like he had of his career. Two horrible long range whiffs. No, one one whiff, one long range, one that was like came off like a turd. He had the missed header that he horribly yes. misjudged, and we should have scored on. I think that was one of Brenner's. Uh, missed goal yep. opportunities. Uh, he gets subbed off. Their first sub for Nashville. Takes his shirt off, is freaking out. I've, some people on Discord were saying he was mad at himself, but he was definitely projecting a lot of rage for someone who was mad at himself. So I think he was mad about getting subbed off, but he was fucking awful, and the Nashville well, fans seemed to hate him as much. He yeah. seemed to be screaming at somebody or somebody's, you know, like it wasn't. Yeah, I suck. I oh, fucking, I suck. Oh, <laughs> Very strange. I really, I really wish they would have scored on that missed header because that was an all time just horror show of a, like he's just not tall enough to make this play right. or he just doesn't like not athletic enough to make this play. And the ball comically goes over his head. <laughs> it's almost like in slow motion that the play happens. And if they would, if, if FCC would have scored somehow off that, if Brenner would have figured out a way to not shoot directly at someone that would have been a retirement moment for Dax. I mean, you just like, you have to leave the field. Don't even wait for the board to go up with your number. You just walk off. It's like, you know what? I have nothing. I, I'm done. I can't play the sport any longer. It was like Nashville was the team that was having somebody play their per first professional minutes in the midfield. Right. Right. Pinto blended in for better, or for worse. McCarty was standing out for sure. And he you know, made speaking one of good speak, play. Go ahead. Sp speaking of that, I, I did see this over here in the uh, the London Times. Unsafe for opponents at any speed. Midfield with Pinto catches fire against national defense. <laughs> yeah. I I thought he played really really well. I thought that he for a first timer first minutes. I thought that he acquitted himself 
admirably in the midfield. I thought he played a really good MLS game. Like he played the game you want from like one of your non uh, Tam, non DP, non special category players. Um, He was he was secure with the ball. I think he completed all of his passes. I've seen that. Um, I've seen that stat, although watching it back today, it did feel like one of his passes wasn't completed or maybe it was considered completed because I think Lucho got a foot on it. But it was like a tough situation and we lost the ball right away. But, th- but that said, like, um, he completed 22 passes. He had like three progressive passes. Um, he had that really good rundown. Yeah, his Mukhtar, yellow card. And I, well, so. Oh, well, his yeah. Ye- so his yellow card didn't really bother me that much. Although, like, you think, like, maybe he could have done better and not gotten beat, but I thought it was like an okay, yeah. smart foul to take in the moment. But it felt like when he chased down Mukhtar in like the 46th minute, yeah. um, he was like really smart, really patient. You know, like Mukhtar gets away from him. He doesn't reach out and make the foul, which would have been another yellow. He, but he, you know, is able to then to catch up and tow the ball out back to back to the center backs. And then he got the little clap from uh, Matt Miazga. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I just looked it up. Pinto, 22 of 22 accurate passes with five of those going into the final third. So a Junior Moreno job. Uh, if you just forget that he he and Lucho double-handedly won the Chicago game. Um, yeah, and Pinto yeah. also didn't like try to do too much at all, right? Yeah. I think when, he, when the ball came to him, he found a, he found a secure pass. He, like he found Lucho, he found Obi, uh, went back to one of the center backs. Like he, he didn't try to win the game himself, right? Yeah. And it was like very much, I'm going to play this just simple and smart and not cost the team anything. Yep. Which is like what you were saying about it being the perfect MLS game. It's just yeah. don't be a hero. You are the, you are not the superstar of this team. Go make the play that you need to make. Don't make any horrible mistakes. And that's that's winning in this league when you get minutes like that out of guys that aren't your first team players. So it was nice to finally have one of those on our side for a change because Jesus Christ, how many times has some other team started a Malik Pinto and you expect that that's a guy that you're going to be able to exploit somewhere and you get we get nothing out of that going the other way. So this was cool to see someone finally step in like that for us. Yeah. Uh, Also, just to wrap up Pinto talk, uh, apparently just a cramp is what Noonan said after the game. I was more worried about him, given how apparently weak we are with midfield depth anyway. It was nice to see that uh, it looks like it was just cramping. I guess we'll find out more this week. So, Um, I also saw this in uh, Chief might have seen this. It was in The Sun, which is a paper I do not support, but I will read their headlines. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Fucking hell. Son of a bitch. What the fuck? Matt Miazga calmly reacts to dropping a napkin during team meal. This guy. <laughs> Some might call him passionate. I don't know. Matt Miazga really going for it out there. huh? Folks? Did you guys did you guys see this about about Matt Miazga's passion? 
Tell um, me. <laughs> so, you know, Matt Miazga has been like kind of a kind of a popular choice as among some fans to replace uh, Lucha as captain. Sure. And uh, somebody finally like tried to get to the bottom of this. Uh, this this was from Isaac. <laughs> this is from Isaac Chotner in the New Yorker. Okay. Um, quote: Some players are more naturally suited to leadership. Unquote. Certain FC fans struggle to explain why Lucho is too emotional and immature when he yells at the ref, but it's fine when Miazga does it. <laughs> I just see myself I, I in him. People just have a. Pe- People have a preference for people that can shout at the ref at eye level, I think. It doesn't look as bad. <laughs> if you're shouting up, it really feels like you're projecting. There, there is an argument that your captain should never look physically up to a referee. I, I can kind of see that. Um, Miazga was obviously fired up for this one. I don't know uh, how much you guys are paying attention to this on Twitter, and it was just dropped into the, the Discord here. Um a Nashville fan claimed that Miazga had squirted them and their children with mm. some water after the game, and it sounded like an insane story until somebody posted like the highest definition photo ever of Miazga with an absolute crazed look on his face, squirting a water bottle clearly like out of the tunnel, and you can imagine the, the projection is off into the crowd, and I just... I I hope nothing bad happens to Miazga for doing this. I'm so glad he did this. I'm so glad he's on our team. I actually saw a story about that one too. Please, that was in this was in the Deseret News. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, very water conscience. He said uh, he made it rain, rain on my face. Nashville (laughs) fan floods Twitter with complaints about Matt Miazga. Fills jars of clay with tears. Nice. <laughs> the, the um, I, I, is it like when you go to a Gallagher? Is he's dead, right? Gallagher died. He did. Or was he got canceled? But wasn't Both. Gallagher's brother doing like half the shows? <laughs> <laughs> That's the remember. thing. I don't know. I forget <laughs> if Gallagher's dead. Or is I forget which one. <laughs> he died. Yeah, he died in twenty twenty two. Oh, he also he died canceled so too. He, he had he some bad takes at the end. Or did I think. he die because of because he got the vaccine? We gotta know who. We gotta know right. which side of the aisle to get amped up about this. Uh, heart attacks. Right from the vaccine. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I feel like he was deeply problematic when he died, which he makes was. this reference probably probably bad. But no, it's like you know how like back in the day, I was really back in the day, the eighties. Like you'd go to a Gallagher show if you were so inclined, and they would tell you if you sit in the first two rows, you're going to get smashed with watermelon. Maybe for Miazga, they just need to have like a general warning that like if you are in the first few rows, you may be squirted with a water bottle, and then it's just like a fun fan player interaction to tell your kids about. It's not something to get mad about. It's that I or mean, his spittle from his rage. So you're going to get something. Have you seen Lucho try to push him away from these? Like he goes up to the ref and like Lucho's like trying to do like, I'm the captain now kind of thing. And he like shoves him away and mask is like, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep doing what I'm doing. Sorry. Go ahead. One of my it. other favorite Miazga moments was, uh, 
the ref calls the play, I think either out of bounds or a foul or something like that. And Miazga assumes it was against FCC and oh, yeah. starts flipping the hell out. <laughs> and the yeah, ref has so to explain, no, no, I, you're, you're getting, you're getting the call here. And he just like kept trying to make good with the ref, like kept, kept hugging him or whatever. Like, Hey man, it's okay. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> What do we think about that? I, appre- I always appreciate when a player is as, as much of a psychopath about the team as I am watching the team. That yes. always makes me feel a little less mentally, you know, mentally ill about sports. Yeah. Jonah, what'd you have? Psycho. Um, this was from the Nashville Sun Times Post. Rival Wii FC goes tinkle on Chodish Dog Park. Barial now official dog walker Zimmerman as long hair Christian Poodle wins best in show as he trots around for his Argentinian owner, leading to Vasquez's goal. Let's go, bitch, he commands to Wiener Dog Willis as superfan Denzel goes full Bob Barker, spayed and neutered in front in front row litter box. <laughs> ah, Ooh, thank you. So, so, so with this headline, so was, there, was, there actually, was like, was there a story, or was just the entire front page just the headline, and he had to flip the page one a two in order to see what was going on? It's a two pager. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where I was going. I didn't know where I was ending, so I just never stopped. Well, Rivalry, I, I, I huh, just, guys? Yeah, no, I saw this one in the um, in the Galway Gazette over here in Ireland. Mm. An American tale, rival from the West. Nashville attempts to animate drama from absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> I, I, I appreciated this week uh, on on Twitter. It was uh, it was interesting. It was fun to watch. I I am in uh, Jonah's camp here. They are certainly a rival. I think they're the third fiddle to Columbus and Louisville. But um, man, there is nothing funnier than just not acknowledging the rivalry <laughs> and watching the other side freak out. I uh, I almost retroactively respect Columbus Crew fans <laughs> from 2019 for not giving a shit whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I... God, that well, was us, I mean, wasn't the, it? Damn. It was. yeah. <laughs> on the subject of the rivalry, I also saw this one. This was in the um, Manchester Post-Gazette. Does Threadless offer refunds? Dozens and dozens of national supporters frantically Google to see if custom shirts can be returned after a single wear. <laughs> you don't have to give that a pity laugh. It's okay. <laughs> I, no, I liked it because I appreciate the bait that is the three spoons because the three spoons is perfect because you're just begging for somebody to go, well, actually, it was just two spoons. And I feel like in that context, it's just pathetic if you're trying to explain away one of the spoons. And I, so, so I if, appreciate If they had that. one with an asterisk, would you have been begr- begrudgingly uh, respected it? I three spoons and one has a little asterisk. <laughs> next week. yeah like, we know the score buddy <laughs> or if it was like the the noodle spatula like the one that kind of looks like an asterisk with the the fingers coming up i uh i could get behind something like that but yeah um <clears throat> i i just found this headline so uh oh, wow. I, this is my first Uh-oh. time seeing it oh god um, <laughs> everybody hold this on is, this is from the washington times <laughs> oh boy ah, uh, the moonies it says, yes, of course. Have you been to Broadway Street? You can catch anything there. 
Pat Noonan mishears question when asked, is Nashville rival? Like viral instead of rival. Oh, damn. It was lost on me. I was waiting for an STD. That's right. Well, I didn't want to. I guess guess the writer didn't want to to make it too obvious, but maybe then it wasn't obvious enough. Yeah, it's no chodish dog park. (laughs) It's a little more front and center. (laughs) So I get the. The Nashville admin, they're like front office trying to make this a rivalry because, you know, they got to sell tickets. They got to, you know, move product a little bit and get people excited about this. It was the Nashville supporters online desperately attempting to make this feel like something that was so profoundly weird to me. Like the fact that someone went on a 15 page Twitter thread, just digging up old posts from Reddit about any FC Cincinnati fan that had ever said, I don't like Nashville or Nashville <laughs> is a rival or I, you know, I hate Nashville and then posted that like, Oh, I'm making some kind of point here. It's like, no, my man, you just wasted two hours of your life online. And I don't understand why you're doing this. Like, why was it so important to them that this game meant something? I just, I don't get it. It was weird. Is it that like, they don't have like Atlanta doesn't actually consider them a rival. And so now they're like frantically trying to find a fan base that cares about them because like Philly has been one of those fan bases as well that historically doesn't really have a rival. They'll claim one to on some level that like New York Red Bulls or DC or whatever, but like they've always been sort of rivalless. So I don't know. Maybe they're worried that they're going to become that. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, some of them really took it to heart how much we, hated them when they got into <laughs> to MLS before us and we just like shit on them endlessly and obviously people like uh, uh, Big D up there down there wherever they are he he really uh, took that to heart but uh, this Boon stuff I don't I don't know if you guys feel the same way but it's the same with the Bengals it's like as soon as we're good I could I couldn't possibly care less about that stuff right. so like to bring it up like Spoon I'm like I don't know, home playoff game on the on the horizon right now. Uh, we're, we're still in like this. We're in the supporter shield race. Like I immediately don't care. It's just funny to me. So if you try to throw like past history, it's like, hey, your old ex-girlfriend is ugly. And you're like, I'm married to a supermodel, bro. Like, I don't care how gross <laughs> yeah, she was. It's, like, it's all good, man. Right. We got into MLS. Like any anger there was that they got in first. It's like, OK, we were pissed off at you for those 40 minutes. And then we got a team and we beat you to MLS. I don't care. I got my own shit. I got my own shit to worry about now. We were in MLS first. Like we were not awarded. We weren't awarded the franchise first, but we were in the league first. And like you can't, you can't hurt me with, you can't hurt me with spoon talk. You simply can't. I don't give a shit. Like we've, we were through those. There's nothing that you could say. Like, and then the the chalk guy thing. What I think chalk guy's cool now. I'll be honest with you. Like I think the chalk guy. It's a funny thing that somebody did and it's like not nearly as embarrassing as like the weird what the people are doing like without any like level of like irony or sarcasm to it. The stuff people are putting on Twitter this past week is all more embarrassing than Chalk Guy and then like the little intern video where they're cheering like Corporate yeah. people, corporate people put out dumb shit all the time. 
That's, that yeah. was a full year before the team ever kicked a ball, for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, and the, and the other thing about the spoons, you can't hurt me with that because I sat and watched it. There is nothing you can say that is worse than having to sit through all these games in person. And I sat through all these games in fucking person. So you're making a T-shirt about it does nothing. It moves me not. Unless you want to hear that. Unless you want to hear that in 2019, FC Cincinnati's points per game with Greg Garza starting, would have been above the playoff line, then don't come talk to me about spoons. (laughs) (laughs) The spoon thing almost makes more sense from, like, long-term MLS fans who don't acknowledge the USL years, but, like, we were a really good USL team. And so the fact that we had some bad years is fine because we had good years before that. I feel like that's a big point that a lot of people miss. Like, I've I've heard... uh, Athletic writers and MLS soccer writers talk about that like, wow, you know, since he's such a good market, they stuck through that team, even though they really were bad at the beginning. And I was like, well, no, they were really good at the beginning. They won a we fucking were, trophy. We were bad they in the middle. The semifinal. <laughs> they, they went farther in Open Cup. Has, has Nashville, even in MLS, gone to the semifinals of Open Cup? I have, I have no idea. I assume not. Uh, hell, they've only competed in like, what, two of them ever, right? And then... Um, <clears throat> You have the uh, the fact they didn't, they didn't even get to participate in MLS's back, and isn't that the real the real victory over these guys? <laughs> <laughs> they never once welcomed Jurgen Lacati at an airport. So can you yeah. really even call them a fan base? I'm so heading to true. Twitter right now. To I'm like, hey, we're not done yet. <laughs> Remember MLS is back. Fucking losers. I, I do. I do need everyone out there that's listening to this. All the dozens and dozens of you to listen to this. It cannot be a rivalry from this point forward. I don't care how much you want it to be a rivalry, even if you do. If you want this to be a rivalry, do you think that would be cool? We have to no-sell this for the rest of eternity because the thing you can do that makes them the maddest is not acknowledge them. We've turned out, we found out. It's not bantering about how much you hate Broadway or how overpriced their beers are or how stupid it is they have a coyote as a mascot. None of this shit. What makes them mad is not acknowledging how invested they are in this whole thing and making fun of them for the fact that they want this to be more than it is. Like, it's a notice me senpai thing, and we just have to no-sell it. I don't care what you want to tweet about this or what you want to say about this. No-selling this is 10 times funnier than engaging. Do you think this is more of a rivalry to them now that they lost after all this, or is it going to make them pull back a little bit? It's it's, it's more, it's more, no, it's more of a rivalry now because we didn't acknowledge them the entire week. We beat them. This is just going to make them even more mad the next time. It's, I, I posted this online. It's the civil conflict. It's UConn versus uh, Central Florida, where you've got, you know, UConn saying, they might not be consider us a rivalry, but no one can tell us who our rival is. And it's like, it's the most pathetic thing ever. Like they're going to show up for the next round of this with a, a trophy made up that we're playing for. And we should just not acknowledge that either. It's going to be glorious. <laughs> uh, I do hope it eventually gets to the point where we just beat them all the time. And so like the rivalry fizzes all that way, but I'll beating them at it. home would be nice. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I'd enjoy that. This is the last one I have. It's from AARP magazine. Still some life in those bones. Old man Gaddis painfully reminds podcast hosts that he is, in fact, five years younger than him. A stark reminder of life's fragility and the finite finite nature of sports. Uh, But seriously, I'm like, God, he's so old. And like, 
but like in real life would have been like you were in junior high when i was a senior like you're so young <laughs> but like when you're watching you're like look at this old guy with his shirt tucked in and he was fu- he won me over last night you know he's not gonna he's not putting in like this spectacular crosses but like he saw that game out probably as much as anybody I saw him on the opposite end of the field, like stuffing dudes. He was just wherever he had to be. I was like, "This is why he's, he's played so much." Oh, did he? Okay. Well, yeah. it's fu- it's funnier to imagine he's just like fucking drifting. He's like, "I will, <laughs> I am the destroyer." <laughs> Ray Gattis playing sweeper. Yeah, Ray basically given the free man role. Whatever that's what you it need felt to. Like. I was like, that's why he's played so long because like he's not like gonna do the dumb thing like he might not be a physical specimen anymore but you know he's he was he got the job done so props to you although i I do love the idea though that like when ray is really feeling it pat noonan's like hold up let him cook and he's just (laughs) free reign to go anywhere on the field and just destroy people because like at this moment right now it's like you can't stop this right here this is a force of nature moment from ray you know with all the uh, advanced analytics they get on these guys with their like really cool high-tech sports bras surely there is like a a measurable flow state where like if his heart rate hits a certain threshold for he's five on minutes fire? straight yeah the NBA jam one? yeah, yeah. And, and the message goes down to Noonan. Noonan, let the team know <laughs> he's a free man now. <laughs> everything's everything's who's, off the. Who's the British guy? The trainer. Oh, What's his name? Shoot. Oh God, what Gary is his Walker? Name? Gary yeah, Walker. Gary Walker. Yeah. He's gonna blow. Yeah. He's gonna blow. Pat is like, no, he's not. He's like, he's gonna blow. Like, let him go. <laughs> and he survives. He's got like one of those like old like this one of those like subway like pressure gauges from. Uh, <laughs> Like some no, subway, submarine. Yeah, I'm it's thinking like of like a submarine movie. They're like they're like cranking the pipes and like steam and shit like that. Out, yeah. Like steam coming out of Gaddis's knees. The uh, the very first dust. Uh, oh, what was it? Uh, oh my god, uh, Fast and Furious movie where they like they do the whole CGI through the nitrous uh uh, nitro system and then they'd have like the computer warning like danger to manifold and whatever else yeah that's 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 Ray Gattis <laughs> yeah, um, people, Ray forget, people forget in the <laughs> first Ray Fast Gattis. and the Furious movie they were stealing DVD players and I maintain, now, the fr- now they go to space now <laughs> I maintain that the final movie should be them stealing DVD players <laughs> it should bring it all the way back around <laughs> these are vintage now yeah right uh, it would be really funny movie. <laughs> it would be really one. funny if like oh the first movie's phenomenal it's like a it's a it's a pioneering piece of american cinema where multiple times during the course of the movie people say i don't have enough time to explain this plot point to you and they just move <laughs> on from it it's fantastic it's also a great remake of point break so i don't know why they bothered to remake point break later they already had fast and the furious right surfing on cars uh did does anyone else? I I I want to hear everybody else's headline before I leave. Is there anything left on the table? I don't want to. Uh, I, I found I, I found one. <laughs> um, I was curious about the the state of the pitch yesterday, and I mm. found this one in Jezebel. Um, <laughs> get a bucket and a mop. Field crew pull, field crew pulls out all the stops dealing with Nashville's wet ass pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of ben shapiro attempting to read uh oh yeah it just 
Kept telling on himself over, over and over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I found I did find this deep cut headline that one person is going to find funny if you've seen this movie. Um, my galaxy quest was to score a goal. Vasquez hits Mukhtar with self A's to slip past natural defenders for rebound. I haven't seen it, but I get the reference. So. <laughs> Damn, not on my list. Uh, it is now. <laughs> not my thing. Not yeah. really can we talk my about, thing. Uh, before I can we can we mention Arius cur- trying to curl that shot in the corner? Uh, He's so gangly. I was like, is this really going to happen? And then he had a long range bomb. Arius, man, I knew I liked this guy. If he could stay healthy for five minutes, he's going to be a hell of a player. Did you see uh, Noonan's? I think it was Noonan's quote about. I I read it in Pat's uh, game summary. No. Um, And uh, so I guess like Arius had like never played midfield before. And so. Noonan just like talked to him and was like, can you just kind of figure this out? We don't have anybody else. <laughs> I mean, it he worked. Was fine. Yeah, he I almost scored. Too. Was, <laughs> was he any better or worse than Kubo? I think he was better. Like his shots were more accurate from distance. I'll I take thought, that. I thought there was one. How the one that went you. wide. I thought that was I thought I thought that was maybe going to do something. I'm always in favor of the most talented player on the team field should shoot the ball as often as possible. So if you've actually played in a big five league in Europe, you should just have the green light to shoot whenever. I just assume that you're probably better taking a shot than most people. Jeff there's, Cameron. It's probably a good assumption that your, your baseline <laughs> stats are higher than everybody else's. Yeah. <laughs> just like, Tyler oh, you played La Liga? Go ahead, take a rip, see what happens. You know what's funny? They uh, they do that with national teams. Alfonso Davies is like a great example of this. But you see it with small national teams where it's like a guy will be a defensive midfielder for, I don't know, some random Italian team. But for, I don't know some other small European nation, he's the striker or the small African country. He's the striker, the central midfielder, because he's the best player on the field and everything else just has to go through him. (laughs) Last Um, thing before I go, please. Did you guys know where Tyler Blackett was playing? Is he playing somewhere? He's playing like league one, right? Uh, I'll say if, if Grayson can't name it, then I bet nobody can name it. It's Rot- Rotterham, Rotherham, Rotterham United in the championship. He's played two wow. games. And their Look stadium, their ground is called New York Stadium. Maybe that's why he picked it. He still wanted a taste of the old <laughs> USA. <laughs> On that note. This, is, this isn't a baseball field at all. <laughs> hey, Jonah. Rise together, Jonah. Uh, fries together, UK. <laughs> it's or, ships together. Yeah, Thank yeah, you very sorry, much. Together. Oh, you set me up and I just whipped them. I like that we've continued that this podcast is like a anti-Irish independence podcast by frequently frequently referring to Ireland as the UK. <laughs> they love it. Oh, oh, chief, someone's someone's coming up behind you, buddy. Watch out. No, Let's ah, get this business center. What? <laughs> Everyone here is right. drunk. Nobody cares. Uh, no. thank you, Jonah, for the for finding all those headlines for us. God bless. I got some more Dax McCarty uh, movies for uh, next week, so I look forward to sharing those soon. Oh, well, gentlemen, I, uh, oh, chief, I, I certainly don't want to keep you too long from your, Oh uh, no, it's all right. It's, you know, it is what it is. Your IRA all day. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, 
what a heck of a game, right? Like, like I mean, look, I, let's start here with the. I say start. We're forty five minutes into this bad boy. Um, let's start here with the the lineup. Lineup is virtually unchanged, with the exception of Haglin coming back in on the right side. Mosquera moved to the left, and it is uh, Malik Pinto moved into the midfield, replacing both Junior Marino and Kubo, who were unable to uh, be there, and Marco Angulo, who was the late call up. So he is our fourth string backup midfielder and as we discussed didn't feel like we were missing that much and honestly for me this is just an absolute credit to Noonan et al for having built this team up in such a way that they can now plug and play players that have never played before professionally with this team and they're not missing a beat and they're beating a good team on the road i uh was very impressed chief i don't know i don't know what else there is to add here but did it angulo ended up not playing during the call-up right at least the first one i don't know if they've played their second game i think for most countries it's monday or tuesday they're playing yeah it's just annoying that gets called up and leaves us sort of in a lurch to sit the bench. I don't even think he made the 18 in the first match they played, if I remember correctly. But um, no, I don't know what else to say about Pinto. It's just he, I said it earlier, he gave the team exactly what they needed. And that's that, that, that first MLS game, but looks like a 10 year veteran. That's probably infuriating for the other team. And I know it's probably infuriating for the other team. I say probably because it happens to us all the goddamn time. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And uh, another win for this midfield. I mean, Wobodo gets a phantom yellow card for being so good at his job. The referee just assumed that he fouled him. Um, that happens in the first half and is about the most interesting thing that happened in the first half. But and the, the announcer said, and he was right, I think, with what he intended to say, but I think it was like, I think it implied something more where he said, you know, yellow cards are not reviewable. That's right. I mean, they can't go to VAR right. in the game and look back and see, well, did he actually touch him? And sh- or should we rescind the yellow? But the MLS disciplinary committee does have the authority to this week, look back at the video and review and actually rescind yellows. And they have done that. So it is something that happens um, occasionally in major league soccer. I'm not hopeful it's going to happen here. Although I do think that like you have as good of video evidence as you are ever going to have that, that, that he, that, that, uh, Obi did not. He got he got the ball, and then the guy comes in and steps on Obi's foot. Like that's <laughs> not. This is not. There's no world where that's a foul. And I would say that whatever the standard is, it has to meet the standard. You know, are, are is are they particularly motivated to go back and and do that for us? I don't know, but they should. Right. Well, what was frustrating about that too is that that was the kind of foul that Obi was being called for when he first joined the league. And it felt like a turn back the clock moment where he's been he's been officiated a lot better, say, after the first you know two months that he was in MLS. And this felt like a first month of OB type like, oh, no, he's just very athletic and he's very good at what he does. And when you think he may be about to commit a foul, he generally doesn't. And to not only have that called a foul, but also called a yellow, it, it was it sucked. And I'm glad it didn't end up biting us in some way because he seemed to play 
his play didn't seem like it changed after the card, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and just to mention a little bit more about uh, Malik Pinto. Please. Um, I know he's been kind of billed as like an attacking uh, midfielder type. And, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe he is. But if you look at guys coming out of, who have come out of college in the MLS and they were like, you know, wingers or attack or, or attacking midfielders. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times their position in MLS is further back. You know, like mm-hmm. if you were like a 10 in college, um, you're more likely going to be like an eight right. in, in MLS, just like a lot of college wingers project as um, outside backs. Yeah, in MLS, and it's 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 kind of what uh, Kevin you were talking about. Like, you put the best players in attacking positions. So, like, yeah, like you were the best player on your right. on your college team. Um, so they put you in attacking position, and that's who you want in MLS. Is you want the best players from the teams coming in. Yeah. It's just the level is a lot higher now. And Lucho like, Acosta's on your team, right? And- you're not gonna you're not gonna replace Lucho. I mean, it's possible, but I'm gonna right. say like you're right. almost certainly never gonna replace like a starting MLS attacking midfielder with somebody you got out of college. You you are lucky if that person's American at all, and if they are, <laughs> right. it's somebody who like came up, you know, through one of the MLS academies and signed a homegrown deal. Yeah, it's kind of like how every baseball player used to be a shortstop at some point. Like yeah. if you were the best yeah. player on your team, you played shortstop until you reach actual professional baseball where everyone was a shortstop. And we now have to make degrees of gradation between who's good and who's not. Yeah, if you were good enough to play uh, college shortstop, maybe you're good enough to play first base defensively. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Or, uh, yeah, everybody's a, a solid pitcher up until, you know, late high school. And that's when you start separating. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the other thing I want to say on this midfield is, uh, I mean, if if it took the Chicago game, so be it. But certainly uh, the last 10 minutes of Chicago game, Acosta did not you know regress at all he was he was on on point this whole game he was pinging the balls that we want to see around um should have had any number of assists if vasquez and uh brenner could just bury a couple more of these shots but i mean after a slow start i'm happy to say that these guys are are back i mean obviously we would have liked to have seen Brenner score one of his three super obvious shots, but this team, this team is almost back to, to firing on all cylinders. Now I'm, I'm happy. You should, you should get an MLS assist for Barrio's shot, right? Like yeah. an MLS is going to do secondary yeah. assists. If you, if you get a shot on goal and it rebounds and somebody puts back the rebound, why not give an assist for that? Is it that it touches the keeper, therefore? Like, I feel like if you ping it off the post, you should get it. But it well, touches think, another I, I think, person. No, I, I think that if you, I think that if, if no one controls the ball, yeah, you should get the assist for it. So if the keeper, you know, parries the shot away, that should count the same as a pass. It's kind of like, you know, when somebody airballs a shot in basketball and somebody's under the, the hoop, catches it and, you know, puts it back up. It's kind of like an alley-oop to a certain extent. Yeah. It's the same as a secondary assist. It's you yeah. hit you you kicked the ball, somebody else touched it, the next guy scored. So can I play devil's advocate for a second here? Please. 
do we care that this was a rebound goal for Vasquez and they still haven't set a goal up for him and that the goals they were setting up were not well taken by anyone? Like all credit, you know, I, I love the poachers goal as much as the next person, but this is still not the kind of goal that we're hoping to see from Vasquez. And we didn't see the type of, I mean, you say that like you're, there's no such thing as a goal. You're not hoping to see all goals are awesome, but this was another game where when they were in the run of play, trying to make passes, unlocking, break open the defense, the chances were not well taken in terms of creating the goal that they would have needed in this game. Am I overthinking this? Yeah, but that was like, that was good buildup. Like there was no, no part of the play was like a freak accident or anything. Right. It was good. It was good buildup. There was nice play before that. Alvaro did really well to you know, dribble the ball forward, find the space for the shot. And Brandon did, did a nice job following it up. I mean, that's one reason you take shots, right? It's yeah. like to create that situation in the box that even if your shot doesn't go in, um, somebody might get a goal. But um, aside from that, um, Nashville had only given up one goal this season and it was it was on the road um so i think for them to for us to generate as many chances as we did and to be so close to putting up you know three four goals this game yeah um i think that's an incredibly positive sign for the offense and you know I think maybe against another team that doesn't do as well cutting off the angles or forcing Brenner onto his left foot. Um, you know, maybe you, you just end up scoring more against other teams in MLS. Yeah. And, but that, that said, like, at some point they're going to have to start scoring more than one goal a game. <laughs> right. It would be nice. <laughs> but that being said... Chief, I, I believe you tweeted this out in your uh, your morning after uh, thoughts and feelings. FCC defensive juggernaut. What what is this team? It's very strange because we all thought this team was going to be you know winning shootouts or the offense was going to drive this team, and the, the back line has just been really, really solid. And for the first game in a while. You can add Roman Celentano to that as well. I thought Roman played an outstanding game, had a couple of really big key stops, um, got in the way of some shots, made himself big on some secondary shots, some rebounds. Um, yeah, uh, Nick Haglin comes back, and all of a sudden, all is well on the back line again after conceding, you know, two plus penalty last weekend. I don't know. It's it it feels repeatable at this point, which I think is the biggest deal that we're seeing. It doesn't seem like this is fluke defending or teams are scuffing good shots or Roman is making last ditch incredible saves. They were good saves, but they weren't, you know, stand on your head type saves. So I feel like this is a repeatable effort we're seeing from the defense now. It does feel like Hagland and you can't argue with the results, but it just feels like Hagland, you know, is constantly like on the, on the verge of yeah. like just disaster. Like he seems yes. to like get speed a lot, right? And then he's yes. scrambling 
and he's throwing his body around getting a block or he's getting bailed out by um miazga but you know maybe that that's i guess it's just how he plays and he hustles enough and he's disruptive enough and the team as a whole is strong enough that it's usually not a disaster yeah when he gets when he gets beat on the side by you know a Mukhtar. yeah yeah did you ever hear the story did you ever hear the story about twitter and the load-bearing mac mini have you guys heard about this before <laughs> no. That no. at at Twitter's HQ, apparently, and there was some supply closet that had a Mac Mini that was connected with an Ethernet cable and a power cord, and no one really knew what it did. Like whoever had set all this up had long since left the company and had left this Mac Mini in a supply closet that was running. But the thing was, if you unplugged it, the entire server would come crashing down. <laughs> and so it was known as the load-bearing Mac Mini, where it really wasn't, you know, what was really making Twitter work. It wasn't where, like, all the servers were, where all, like, the data was being stored. But for some odd reason, this one small computer the size of a shoebox was integral to the entire functioning of the Bird app. And to me, that's Nick Haglin. I can't explain why he is necessary for this defense to work. If you watch him play, nothing about his play suggests that he is in fact necessary for the defense to do what it does. In fact, often but it looks with, like things are going very poorly. Right. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, it looks like, like, looks like they're looks they're like, usually no, not. like a, just looks like much like a Mac mini. It's like, well, you've got like racks of 50, $60,000 servers in the other room. Yeah. This thing retails for $500. It's not great objectively, but for some reason it all works together. And that's the inescapable conclusion I have about Nick Haglin is that there is something about like the way like he manipulates the force or how like he interacts <laughs> with the other players on the field. And for some reason, everyone is just better when Nick Haglin is playing and I can't explain it. You know, that does make me think uh, of a very horrible thought, which is imagine if Nick hadn't been with this team in 2019 and 2020, just how much worse those defenses would have been without this, you know, mysterious defensive force that he, he puts out onto the field. <laughs> it is this is something I've it's just I've always found it incredible is. Since 2019. This team has tried to replace Nick Hagler. Yes. Like every single coach <laughs> has come in or every single coach and general manager has come in and said, we need to, we need looked at Nick Hagler and said, we need more center backs. Yeah. You know, like, and they never, they never did. Like, right. Uh, they, they went through a number of center backs under Gerard and, and Yop and, you and know, even like to an extent, Jeff, Jeff Cameron, you know, was was really good. But like nobody, right. nobody consistently until this team signed Matt Miazga. Was as has has been consistently good enough to justify benching <laughs> Nick Haglin. Right. I I have it on good authority and chief cut me off if I shouldn't go this way, but I have it on good authority that before Chris Albright even landed in Cincinnati, but knew he knew he had the gig. Um, his intention was to let Haglin walk 
and to replace him because he was like, obviously, this guy isn't good enough. We all know that. And uh, after meeting Nick, he like walked away from that meeting, convinced that Hagland was the guy and that there was no way that they were going to they were going to let him go. He needed him to stick around. And I don't know, man, there's just something something about him. The Cincinnati kid, he, he doesn't he doesn't lose. No, I, I love this. I love this idea that every manager is desperately trying to get rid of Nick Hagland and you just can't do it. That no matter how hard you try, that like fate intervenes to stop you from sending Nick Hagland the pink slip. Like you're typing the email that says we got to release Nick Hagland and your computer blue screens of death like you can't do it. I mean, think about I mean, you're right. Uh, Vanderverf, Pedersen. Uh, yeah. Jeff Cameron, Blackett, like all of these guys were supposed to be Hagland replacements and not a he's single like, one of them stuck. He's like the guy in the company that nobody can fire because he has like the password to like access the financial <laughs> statements or something. <laughs> it's like rule number one in life. Make yourself indispensable. Nick Hagelin has somehow made himself indispensable. And it's, it's funny that he's not there last week and the defense looks markedly worse. He shows up again this week and oh, everything's back again. I just, I don't, right. I, I, I given up trying to understand it. You just sort of have to accept it and realize that some things in sports just defy explanation. Oh, my God. Uh, is there anything else we want to touch on with this game before I start talking big picture? I, I don't want to step on anybody's toes here, but I know Chief is really stretching the limits of the uh, – uh, you know, sleep deprivation. Um, I'm sure. Uh, oh no, this this business center is great. I've only seen three people like looking in here to find out why this giant fucking American is yelling into a empty room. But you know, I'm fairly certain I've seen the motion sensing lights go off behind you. That's getting progressively <laughs> darker in in your business center as well. Yeah. You know, my wife was like, "You're not really staying up to tape that, are you?" I was like, "Hell." Yeah, I am. I, I got uh, commitment. I was blown away when I saw uh. you were joining the, the Zoom meeting here. Um, no, is there anything else we want to touch on before I go big picture and then we can get out of here? Is it when you say big picture, it was a good win. Like it was this, a great like, win. We keep talking about like where does this win rank? We talked about that with Seattle. This yeah. is another one that's up there where if you have like this team is gonna have to keep passing these sort of um mini bosses, checkpoints, whatever you want to talk about for the course of the season and beating Nashville away. That's another big checkpoint on the season. Yeah, uh, it is. It is gigantic. Um, this puts us second in the East right now, only behind new England revolution of all teams. Um, I, I had not been paying attention to them, did not realize that they were doing well enough, uh, to get up there. They have lost though. We are the only undefeated team in the East, although they have another win than us. Um, and I don't know, like I'm looking around the league at like who are the other really good teams. And it's really fun seeing the teams that we beat, like Seattle Sounders beat Kansas City four to one and have a, you know, just an absolute ridiculous goal differential of plus eight. And they look unstoppable and uh, they looked very stoppable in TQL Stadium. So I'm I'm enjoying where we're at. Also, I mean. 
came into this this season assuming Houston Dynamo would be terrible. They're middle of the pack, so that that little week one hiccup doesn't look like quite the hiccup uh, it would have been if they were the wooden spoon contending team. Everybody had them pegged. And Houston as. has a game in hand on That's a lot of teams, right? So Houston, they're sitting uh, eighth in the West. Yeah, they've only played four games. If they win that game in hand, that puts them in like fourth place. Yeah, and same with Chicago, by the way. Not that anybody's claiming that they're good, but they have a game in hand as in well as well. And if they win that one, yeah, that propels them right up to fourth or fifth place in the East. Yeah, as right well. above, so, uh, right ties them with Orlando. There you go. So yeah, uh, just fun to see that like we really are in that echelon. Like five games in is enough of a sample size that you can really start to see where the league is. And, um, yeah, it's one thing to think that you're the best team in the league. It's another thing to start seeing the table, like, genuinely shake out that way. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Going to be a lot of fun this season. There's a lot of soccer left to be played, though, because it's five five games in. And if I told you, well, I guess you guys were just looking at the table. The leading team with for goal differential in this league right now is... The St. Louis City. Yes. St. Louis City, the highest scoring team in the league with 15 goals for with an 11 goal differential, 5 and 0, 5 0 and 0 to start the season. And yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they are just really fucking good at like out of nowhere, but I tend to think that that's more of a sign that it's it's early on and it's early times right now. So we're third so we're third in overall standings and points behind St. Louis and New England. Um, LAFC has only played four games. They're right behind us. Although you kind of hope that LAFC's rotation, mm-hmm. um, you know, causes them not to keep up the pace. Um, and I, I looked at, I looked at last year's uh, table uh, just to, just to compare and LAFC and Philly both finished the year with 67 points. Um, they were both undefeated through five. So we're also undefeated through five. Yeah. Um, but we are, we're two points back after five games from where both, they both were, they both were on 13 points. But, you know, I would say like, if we thought about this season as a season where we could win the, the supporter shield potentially, I think we've, had the kind of start, uh, without a doubt, that that you need to have to to get there. Yeah, I completely agree. I I will say for St. Louis one, I'll say it. I don't care how tinfoil hat it makes me. Again, just very suspicious. They got another gifted back pass, bizarre situation. Want to check the uh, the bank transfer, see if anything weird hadn't happened. Uh, sort of play this past weekend, and um, yeah, people I, forget their GM. <laughs> What served, was it, Kevin? Served hard time. Grayson found this one, I will say. Served hard time in Singapore for match fixing. Uh, so something to think about. Also, apparently uh, stole at least one penguin from a zoo. Is that, is that what we learned? Yeah, he stole, he stole a penguin from a zoo in New Zealand. And I say and at then, least one. And then when he, when he was finished playing and he was employed at Hoffenheim, a penguin went missing 
from a zoo in Mannheim. And he was a person of interest. Like the police like <laughs> interrogated him about this missing penguin. Although he does deny involvement with that one. He admits that he took the previous one in New Zealand from a penguin sanctuary and kept it in his bathtub. He fucked the penguin, right? That's we're all thinking that. <laughs> no. Oh, I was assuming I was assuming he was selling them, but this is an interesting wrinkle. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know uh, he's got that on his uh, resume, and all of a sudden this team shows up and doing yeah. it. Uh, but the other piece of it, I will match, say, match matchsticks are in penguin fucker. So that's all I'm going to think about St. Louis from now on. It's uh, it's something to think about. Uh, no, they also run this uh, incredibly you know breakneck, fast paced Red Bull thing that just never works for a long, drawn out physical season like this, like. Ask Liverpool how many years they could keep that up. Ask Red Bulls how many years they can keep it up. It fails at some point. And um, yeah, well, everybody's I don't know. Talk, everybody's talking about this like it's like it's new. It's it's like, not like, new. Oh, new St. Louis. They have a high press and they force a lot of giveaways. So do we. So do, yes. so do, so do half the teams in MLS. Like it's like the, it's like the blueprint for success. If, in this if there's a house style yes. in Major League Soccer, it is this. I mean, that Bradley was, Carnell was hired because he had been the interim coach at New York Red Bulls and had success they, there where they perfected and he, this. And I would argue, you know, they were one of the progenitors, the Red Bull system, uh, them and uh, Jurgen Klopp at uh, Mainz. But yeah, like they were they were the first ones to really craft this. But yeah, every MLS team that has had success does this. LAFC except, did this when they first joined the league. Like. It's it's right. Like, yeah, you can't, like, LAFC There's has that. to play with the ball. I mean, LAFC can play with the ball, right. In a way that like other teams can't. Um, apparently not this year, but in a lot of years, yeah, like because they're, they're breaking the salary right. rules. That's it's why right. you can play with the ball. <laughs> and in a lot of years, like NYCFC can play yeah, with the ball because, the salary rules. Well, yeah, but NYCFC and a tiny pitch. <laughs> they do. Um, they they all they always have like a bunch of guys on loan from other yeah. city football group teams. Right. And I yeah. I assume that those other teams are carrying a lot of these guys' salary. And, and I'll bet you, I will bet anyone money that eventually Inter-Miami starts being known for a possession-passing style system, too. Yeah. Because, again, it's really easy to play that when you're not constrained by the designated player rules. <laughs> right. But for most teams, it's like the most sustained way yeah. to play in Major League Soccer. Yeah. And that was, yeah, that's like the... MLS system that is so good it's exported. That's what Jesse Marsh is doing at Leeds and all over Europe. It's the exact same. Not doing at Leeds anymore. Well, yeah. was sorry. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll lodge my complaints over here when I get to the UK because I'm not in the UK yet. As <laughs> so I feel like we need to point out before I'm assassinated by someone in this hotel. <laughs> you are in the British Isles, but not uh, the United Kingdom or Britain or Great Britain. It's a very confusing yeah, I, I, place. <laughs> no, I went to I went to a museum. They're still mad about that. Turns out. Oh yeah, no, like that hasn't gone away. <laughs> no, nope, sure hasn't. <laughs> oh god. Although I think I, just based on walking around, ninety percent of the economy here is drunk people from England. So I guess they can't be too mad because they're certainly cashing the checks. <laughs> there's something to be said for it uh well gentlemen i think that does it for this weekend review of nashville um so 
Chief? Fuck Columbus. Nobody knows what that is over here, though. So you could have gone with "fuck Cork City," the arch rivals of our Lily Whites and Dundalk. Nah, okay. Columbus. <laughs> it, it would be it would be "fuck Cork Fack. City." <laughs> Fat Columbus. <laughs> All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.